Thank you so much for joining us on another edition of Tifosi Football Radio. My name is Christian Baldanza DiTacchio. And this is Juliano Clary. And it is Thursday, January the 6th. Once again, thanks so much for joining us. A very complicated match day 20. Um, some games played, some games not played. A huge mess with local health officials uh, banning some teams to travel. Uh, just match day 20 was just a, a big mess. Uh, some surprise results, some absolute hammerings of other clubs. Um, but before we get into that, just wanted to let everyone know we got our very good friend, Nick Cottis, on with us again for today's episode. Nick, thanks so much for joining us once again. You're very welcome. I'm glad to be on. All right. So let's talk about match day 20. So first and foremost, uh, seems like there were some COVID outbreaks um in uh on in some teams in city so a few games got uh postponed we don't know if they're going to be forfeits or if they're going to be postponed um the first games the four games were bologna inter uh atalanta torino salernitana venezia and fiorentina udinese those were the games that were not played uh looks like the lega Serie has uh, rectified that problem. They've adopted UEFA's uh, COVID-19 protocol in that as long as a team has 13 players that are able to play, these games will play, and local health officials will not be able to ban teams from traveling. Uh, but that being said, guys, let's jump right in. Giuliano, we talked about this. We didn't think this was going to happen, but we said something positive was going to happen here with this Cagliari team. Kylie comes back and wins this game against Sampdoria. Let's talk about it. In ridiculous fashion, too. They completely yeah. dominated Sampdoria, although yeah. they did go behind uh, to a Gabbiadini, his sixth consecutive goal in Serie A. Yep. Um, but Kylie just played fantastic, played Sampdoria right off the pitch, created lots of chances. Uh, Leonardo Pavaletti getting the winning goal in the end, and they just look like a completely different team after, you know, uh, I've written off Walter Mazzari personally, but it seems like these young signings have kind of altered the team uh, for the better. Lovato uh, getting the start seemed to make uh, a difference. So good on Walter Mazzari and, and beating Samdori. Huge three points for the relegation, only their second win of the year as well. Yeah, they're now level with Salernitana on a number of wins this season. Uh, Nick, does does this is this a positive start for well obviously this is a positive start for Cagliari but uh, does do we do we have our, our minds changed about Cagliari can Cagliari now see themselves out of relegation or is this just uh, it's still going to be a huge grind for them it'll be a huge grind I think the teams above them will uh, pick up also but uh, look it's just one game it's just one game but like Jules said they not only do they pick up the the win it's how they did it right so if they can continue this trend of this kind of performance they will have a chance to get out of relegation but like i can't base it on one game even though it was a good game and they they played well uh you got to do this on a weekly basis and uh hope you perform against some of the top or middle table teams to to get yourself some vital points to kind of get out of relegation. Yeah, I mean, I th uh, I thought this was a remarkable win for them. This is very unlike Walter Mazzari. 
to to completely dominate a game. I don't think he's ever done this before in his style. So it was great to see. It looks like he's been uh, tweaking uh, during the uh, the Christmas break. I guess I, I'm sure management told him that you know you need to fix something or you're out the door. Um, so he it looks like he did make some tweaks and it worked really well. Uh, if they can pick up something in their next game, then yeah, I think Kaleri is uh, it, it can can really move out of that relegation zone and uh, and, and put a lot of pressure on the team that's just sitting above them in La Spezia. Um, on to the next game, Hellas Verona getting out of that bad dip, uh, beating Spezia two to one here, uh, courtesy of Caprari. Um, and Nick, you you predicted this on our prediction pool, bang on two to one. Yeah, I thought so, I thought Hellas Verona would concede a goal, but I would think they would bounce back, but not as high scoring as uh, some other powerhouse forwards uh, usually do. So I was pleased with this. I was pleased with this. It was good. Uh, Spezia, I don't consider them. Uh, uh, I probably will consider them probably now probably relegation candidates. But that all depends on what the other two, uh, Genoa and Cagliari, uh, do in the next few weeks. Absolutely. Juliano, what did you see in this game? Yeah, pretty much the same thing. Verona, outstanding. Nice high line. They're really the only team in the game, and Caprari was outstanding. Hellas Verona completely dominated. And yeah, questions now have to be asked about Spezia, especially now that they play Genoa in their next match. Um, yeah. They're going to be dragged right into this relegation battle. They've been in rotten form of recent, only one win in uh, in their last five, I believe. So, not looking not looking too good for Spezia right now. Tiago Monta yeah. has his hands full, and he has to change something here. Definitely, definitely. Uh, let's move on to the next game. And Giuliano, I want to get your take on this because last podcast, these are the two teams you said Empoli was going to fall apart, and Lazio was going to have going to climb up the table, and they come out of the gate here, and I think a lot of us saw Lazio win here, but they came out of the gate here stumbling. Tell me what you saw in this 3-3 draw. So, more or less, this is kind of this game kind of summed up Lazio's season up to this point. Great offensively, create a ton of chances, score their goals, uh, but a mess defensively. Uh, the, the way Sadi lined up the team kind of left a lot of holes not enough coverage for the defensive line Luis Felipe was isolated uh Cherby was taken off in the first half it, it was just horrendous but when you have Danilo Cataldi Milikovic Savage Luis Alberto that's what's going to happen it was this was a full offensive team I think Sadi underestimated uh the attack of Empoli the trident up top of uh, Berami, Federico, Federico Di Francesco, and Andrea La Mantia. So they were mm-hmm. fantastic, the three of them. They put tons of pressure, found the gaps in between the midfield and the defensive line, and they went up 2-0 right away. Strakosha making a meal out of the the goals, you know, in the first uh, <laughs> in the first little bit. So oh, Lazio, yeah. Lazio need to look uh, at a goal replacement. Peperena, Strakosha are obviously not good enough. And going forward, maybe in this Mercato, I know they have to sell to uh, to buy, but they desperately need some uh, either defensive reinforcement in the midfield or, or some new center backs. But otherwise, Lazio, I think this is, it's not a great performance. It's good that they came back and tied the match. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a big point in that aspect. But I think, like I said, Sadi, this shows me they will climb the table. Uh, he will get this defense sorted out because this Lazio team 
they score when they feel like it. I think that's the one major positive you can take out of this match for Lazio. And for Empoli, they just got to be proud to uh, to be able to go toe-to-toe. Well, you know, seeing where they came from last year, to be proud to go toe-to-toe with Lazio. They played fantastic, but ultimately they just they whimpered out as the game went on. And yeah, uh, I mean that's what I saw anyway from this match. Yeah, I think they they gave everything they could uh, in this game, and uh, you know three goals is that that's huge for for a team like Empoli. Empoli, they did they always show up for these games. It's just mm-hmm. they can definitely claim a scalp. Uh, Di Francesco played, I think, fantastic in this game. Uh, was one of the men of the match in this game. And despite conceding three goals, I think Guglielmo Vicario played fantastic. Of course, stopping that Chido Immobile penalty, making some big saves. It's This could have been an, a lot worse for Empoli had it not been for Guglielmo Vicario. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It feels like Lazio just <laughs> feel like score when they feel like it, uh, especially leaving it to the last minute uh, with Milinkovic-Savic uh, putting in two great goals. Yeah, he's Nick. he's been involved in the most uh, goals this season in the top five leagues. Seven goals, seven assists for a midfielder. So yeah, he's that's... been fantastic. I don't know if Lazio is going to be able to hold on to him uh, too much longer, to be honest. Yeah, he, I think one of the best midfielders in City, yeah, arguably. Yeah, and uh, Nick, get your thoughts on this. So Chido Immobile has a decent game. He gets a goal, but he misses a penalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean thoughts uh... on him. <laughs> Uh, like I said, it's just uh, it's just the pressure. I mean, Chiro Mobley is that guy to step up and take the penalties. I would have had uh, Milinkovic Savage take the penalty, but um, I mean, it it just goes to show you, like he's not your main guy at Lazio. He's the only your main guy because he's Chiro Mobley. I think there are guys on that team that are. Uh, that Lazio and Sarri could better focus the team around. Um, this also goes to me not convincing that he's our main guy up front for the Azuri. But uh, yeah, I just, I just, I'm not. Uh, I know, I know, Lazio will climb up the table, but they're gonna do it their way. And if Sarri can solidify some of these leaking goals, because they're scoring but they're conceding, and to be honest, like I'm just happy for now, Na- uh, Empoli. It's a point. It's a point that they nobody thought they'd get, and they put three past Lazio. Yes, they conceded three, but it's Empoli, right? I mean, from where they were last year, Serie B. It is what it is. I think. Uh, I think uh, Empoli is probably more happy at this result than Lazio. But as uh, as for Chiro, I mean, I mean now when you see him step up to take the penalty, you always have that in the back of the mind that yes, seventy plus percentage of penalties go in favor of the shooter but when i see churro line up i put the percentages lower for that shooter to mm-hmm. go in okay okay strong words um, I, th- I think i think chiro played better <laughs> than, than uh than what nick's kind of saying I, I i'll give chiro a little bit more credit for the game i think he he was involved quite a bit offensively. Yes, he did miss the yeah, big penalty. Yeah, fair enough. He was. He was. It's just, it's just, you know, you come down to that penalty and you just know that something's going to go awry. Yeah, in the pressure moments, yeah, Chiro chokes. Yeah. yeah. 
big time. Um, but I mean, that's that's what he's that's what he's there for. Yeah. Right. All right. Let's go on to the next game. Sassuolo drawing one one with Genoa. My predictions were totally terrible for this match day, but the one thing I did say in the last podcast that Genoa was going to score and it was going to come at the hands of Mattia Dessero, and it only took seven minutes for that to happen. And it was a really nice battle. Because who else is going to score on this team? You know, no, you know what? You know what, guys? I just want to give Mattia Destro a little love here, okay? Mattia Destro is eighth in the scoring chart, okay? The whole media is talking about Joao Pedro, Joao Pedro, Joao Pedro for the Azzurri, Joao Pedro for the Azzurri. No, 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 no. Mattia Destro for the Azzurri, okay? This is why. Joao Pedro's got nine goals in 20 games played for Cagliari, and three of them have come from the spot. Mattia Destro has played, made 12 appearances for Genoa and Serie A. He's scored eight goals, none of them from the spot, and five of them have been from his head. And he's got the most headed goals in Serie A right now, leading with five of them. So five of his eight goals have come off his head. This guy clearly, to me, deserves a shot on the Azzurri. And he deserves a shot to be that hitman. I know I'm crazy, but it might... Maybe he's that guy that they can swing the ball into and we can actually win a header in the bloody air and, and put it on net for the Azzurri. And this, like, is, and this is a Genoa team where... They are maybe getting one shot on net a game if they're lucky. Yes. Um. So yeah, he has to be patient, create his chances, and and he's doing a, a terrific job this year, hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, so he should be considered. I mean, the the playoffs are coming right around the corner next month, are they not? So. Um, yeah, March. Or sorry, yeah, two months. So it's something to to definitely think about if you can keep it up. And, and with that said, Sassuolo on the other side. Um, Berardi, Sassuolo dominated this game. And uh, the scoreline should have been leaning heavily in Sassuolo's favor. But they just it was just one of those days where Berardi gets a, gets the, gets the tie and goal, Nick. And after that, they, they couldn't do they, – the ball just wouldn't go in the back of the net. I mean, when you look at total shots here, Nick – Sassuolo outshoots them twenty-eight to four. Yeah, what? It's just... but it wouldn't go in the back of the net. So, whatever. It's you say whatever you wanted. You didn't get the job done. So, so in it's your opinion, sad. it's in your opinion. Then, when you look at the statistics here, I mean, twenty-eight to four on shots, uh, possession-wise, seventy-four point four percent to Genoa's twenty-five point six. So basically, Genoa came out in a shell. Do we do? Did Genoa come out and just sit back on purpose? Did, is that what Shevchenko did, or they were just very fortunate that it, they rode a little bit of luck? Well, when you come out into that formation, maybe if you do it on purpose, I think this is what. I mean, you look at the differences between the two bottom teams, other than Salernitana, Cagliari, and Genoa. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both pretty much relegated, relegation seated teams. Um, the responses for the new year were were vastly different. I mean, irregardless of the points that Genoa got points. I mean, when you look at Cagliari, it's it's they come out and they put a solid performance. You know, they 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 were attacking, they were yeah. controlling, they were doing good. And all Gen- Genoa has is to kind of start set up shop and and build a wall and see what happens. But I mean. 
it's uh, whether it was this was done on purpose or this was done mid game, uh, maybe because Destro scored first, mm-hmm. and they were panicking that okay we're up one nothing so how long can we hold on to to kind of get a second win? Uh, yeah. It's probably going through their minds, but if you look at the confidence in how they were playing. Uh, Genoa can't do this day in, day out, week in, week out. They won't be able to do this week in, week out. So I think the problems are still there. I think they found a way to get a result in this game. But had it been so swallow that scored first, it would have been a different uh, result. I can guarantee that. I agree with Nick 100% there. I agree with you 100%. Uh, I think if it was another day, it probably would have come down to a Sassuolo win. Nine times out of ten with those stats, Sassuolo wins this game. This was that one time out of ten where uh, Sassuolo just couldn't bury the ball more than they needed to. And, you know, it happens. It happens in football. You know, the percentages, the possession goes uh, way in, in favor of one side and the other team doesn't even get a shot on net. And they end up winning tournaments that way. So, I mean... uh like it's it's not shocking, but it's 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 mind rattling always when that happens. But um, you know, I I I still think that uh, if Sassuolo got the first goal, what would be Genoa's response? Right? Do they have the attacking threat to go forward and you know tie the game, let alone win the game? And I think that's what Genoa's plan was to kind of just hang in there and they got the first goal and now it's like panic it's like we got to set up shop to protect this lead where other teams when they're down that are that are pretty much middle or bottom table teams would still have uh would still go for the second for the second goal and i i think this is where genoa is at this point and i still peg them for relegation because if this is the style that they're going to play, uh, it will not work for them. Um, so that concludes uh, Sassuolo and Genoa, 1-1 draw. Uh, so let's move on to one of the two big games. Let's AC do it. Milan. 3-1 victors over Roma. Roma picking up two yellow cards here. And it was a disaster from the start. Mourinho! Sweet! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! What a disaster! Nick, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Yeah, about this? I, I I sent you uh, I sent you guys <laughs> on the on the group Roma's uh, table standings the last twenty years, and the amount of second place finishes was uh, like I mean we've had more second place finishes than Juve's had Scudettos in the past um, on that past seven years. Like it's on uh, the past ten years. Like it's it's ridiculous. And, uh, I just, it's, it's very frustrating because, um, you know, we were all excited for the Atlanta thrashing, Atlanta thrashing, but here we are again. And it's, I mean, Milan isn't like anywhere near, I I actually think Atalanta is a little better than Milan, but, um, like I just, I, I'm not understanding it. Like it's. Like what are what are we doing? Like there's no ambition, there's no like it's just like it's just running around uh you know p- playing, you know, yeah, we're going to do something, we're going to do something and we I'll don't tell do you anything. what's wrong. I'll tell you what's wrong right now. Number 1, your manager. 
that's the biggest problem. I Number agree, two, yeah. the way he lines up the team, for instance, the the midfield was a terror. I don't know what he was thinking, choosing Mkhitaryan, and Vettetu and Pellegrini in the midfield, where Fucking he disaster, where he thought they were going to go cover the, and break up the counterattacks of Milan, which is their strong point. I don't know in r- what right mind he thought he was going to stop Milan's counterattack and that with the setup, and then on top of it, you have. Uh, so, yeah, you're isolating your defenders, number one, and then you have wasteful forwards. I mean, Tammy Abraham, we can't blame him anymore. He's got, I think, what is he? Isn't he in the double digits now in all competitions for goal scored? Uh, he, he's yeah, he's got, well, if we talk in City A terms, he's got seven goals in City yeah. So, I, th- I think he may be in the double digits. So he's, yeah, he's you in know, the double digits at, with, combined with Europa League, yes. He's earning his pay. For no, me, he is. For me, he's playing good enough. Questions have to start being asked about Zaniolo. He's not good enough to be a starter in this team. Once again, hasn't proven anything in his uh, in his career. Why is he a guaranteed starter up top? He's not a striker. He's not a, a winger. Uh, drop him. What is the point of keeping Zaniolo in the team all the time? So I think those that's the major problem is Mourinho's team selection is horrendous. And then he goes in the media, talks about the ref. He talks about that shirt tugged by Tonali. You see all the Roma fans on on Twitter saying, "Oh, it should have been a penalty," because you see a still image of Tonali pulling the shirt. It's not a penalty. Zaniolo fell over like nothing. It was way too soft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's just some of the things I see. Anyway, I'll, I'll talk about Milan. I'll let you guys go a little bit more in on Roma. Okay, here. Okay, I'll tell you guys what I saw. I saw a fucking disaster. That's what I saw. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean. I don't know where to begin here. I mean, Tammy Abraham was the best player for Roma. I'll give him that. Um, what do you, I think the handball it was reactionary, but his arm was up, so it is a clear-cut penalty for Milan. Uh, what are you going to do? It happens. It, it was a reaction. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to fault him for it. Um, Wicked save by Patricio. <laughs> I know. Off the, off the initial save, it, yeah. was fucking, it was freaking great. The, the second goal, I was so pissed off at Ibanez. It's like, th- these are the things that drive me nuts about Roger Ibanez, is that he makes boneheaded moves like that. And, and I mean, he's a great, he's a great ball-moving center back, but it's becoming like every other game where he's doing something like this. I mean, that's, that's a problem. If it happens every once in a while, okay, but... It seems like errors like this are, are 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 consistent at least every other game, so it's definitely something that they have to isolate and they have to work on with him in training. Because it's just he's clearly at fault for the second goal. There's there's no doubt about it, and it totally. I mean, if the penalty didn't take the wind out of Roma's sails in the first few minutes, that second goal certainly did. Um, How did Carsdorp, that go again? That second goal. What's that? How did it happen again, the second goal? It, Ibanez was trying to make a pass back to Smalling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got intercepted. And Messias actually scored. And it was... It was that's right. That's it, was, right. It, was, it was in the back. It was yeah. in the back. And the, yeah, yeah, I agree with you on the Mourinho thing. Like, what the hell are you doing putting Jordan Vertu in the holding mid position? Are you, are you out of your mind? The guy... We've said it. The guy is is not a is not a clear cut holding mid. He's not. 
he is more of an attacking mid. So you you basically set him up to fill there. He's having a horrendous season. Um, I know there's rumblings about him possibly going to Newcastle. Cash in and get rid of this fucking guy because it's mm-hmm. it's time to go. It's time to go. And I understand you don't have Cristante there. You don't have anybody else that can really play in that position. Well, there's a guy that can play in that position, but he wasn't there. And that's Lorenzo Pellegrini. I understand Pellegrini was still in the midfield, and he wanted to play him up a little higher to try and link the counterattack to to, to Abraham and Zaniola. But if you have no other option, there's a guy that knows how to play holding mid. Put him there. He knows how to control that mid. I think that would have helped mitigate a little bit. Um, And then Gianluca Mancini goes back to his... You know, no confident, inconsistent ways. I mean, that that second yellow was just stupid, the way he was pulling on that shirt. It was absolutely stupid. Um, I agree with you, Jules. You know, cash in on Nicolo Zaniolo, drop him. I mean, uh, there's already rumblings about him being put on the summer transfer market. Do it now. Do it now. I, I told you last last podcast, I agreed with you. I'm starting to drink your Kool-Aid. It's very tasty. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I'm off the Zaniolo train, man. I'm 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 finished. The guy's yeah, done. but we got a three-year plan. The guy, no, the guy's done. <laughs> but the you have done. you have Eldor running on the bench. This guy has so much talent, but because he's from Kazakhstan or sorry, Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan. Sorry. I know. Uh, this is that's the thing, Jules. Like Shomorodov, like he is he is a counter-attacking forward. Like he's built that. That's what he's designed to do. Exactly. That's how he plays. Why don't you play this guy for it? And, you and play he's not Elder getting time. With Tammy. Yeah. yeah. And then Felix Afenagian's getting time over him. It's it's disrespectful. This guy was brought in as he I think your most expensive purchase of the summer, right? And uh, next not to mistaken, Tammy. Yeah. Next to Tammy. That's right. Sorry. Next to Tammy, and uh, been given little to no shot. It's unbelievable. Like the whole yeah. Roma midfield and defense was unlocked by a ex refrigerator delivery man. For Christ's sake. Junior I'll let you talk about Milan, Jules, but I just want to say this about Milan. And this is how embarrassing it should be for Roma. Roma, this is pretty much this is pretty much our starting eleven. This is pretty much our core here. Okay? We went up against the Milan C team. Like Matteo Gabbia was in center back for this fucking game. Yeah. That's what pisses me off. Okay, you almost have your right back in Flor- your ex right back in Florenzi. Thank God he hit the crossbar. A Roma reject off of, on top of it. Uh, yeah, off a free kick. Like this is this wasn't this wasn't anywhere close to Milan's starting eleven, and they they totally destroyed us. If this was Milan's starting eleven, this would have been a blow. This would have been worse. This would have been a lot worse. It's big trouble, big trouble for Roma. But Giuliano, go ahead. Yeah, for Milan. You got to give all credit to Pioli for the way he set up this team. It was fantastic. Put in Junior Messias in the number 10 position. Uh, for the most part, he kind of interchanged bet- between Brahim Diaz uh, in, that, in that spot. They were kind of both free roaming, but Junior Messias was fantastic this game. Tonali, I want to give props to that guy where he's come from last year to this year. He's been Huge. unbelievable. Huge. He he shut down Everybody he came across in this game, he was fantastic. Olivier Giroud, too, perfect target man, did his job until Zlatan came on as well. Uh, like you said, the two kids in center back positions, why weren't they targeted more, Gabia and, and Kalulu? You, yeah. would think, you would think that's where he'd keep going uh, after yeah. those two, but, I mean, I guess it, it didn't happen. Roma decided to stay back and keep countering when they're both pretty fast. You're not going to beat them in that in that no. way. And... Uh, 
Rafael Leal coming off the bench just completely dismantled. That, oh. That's how you make a sub right there. Yeah. So Pioli, that's two games he's played against Mourinho. He's schooled him twice. Uh, and I'm not going to say with a more expensive squad either. I think the Roma squad might they're pretty similar, I would imagine, in, a, in regards to cost if you were to add them up. So yeah. uh, is, is Mourinho really who he is? I mean, we kind of talked about this before, Mourinho's success. Uh, is he a checkbook manager? This guy needs yes. to spend money to be successful. I don't think yes. maybe he's he not really a great coach. He's just a checkbook manager. Yes, he is. He is a checkbook manager. He is Nick. a checkbook manager, 100%. Nick, what do you think? I th- I think he 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 proved it with um, well uh, you know when he comes up with Porto I don't think he was that much of a checkbook manager with uh, Inter. Um, well, but after that, then yeah, Inter I think was it a became... fi- Inter was pretty much a uh, a finished product when he came in. It was yeah, but... and I mean they did have uh, you know like uh, he still had to work with them. Um, yeah, but he brought in Eto. He, we brought in, I believe we brought in Snyder at the time, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Melito, too. Christian right? Kivu, yeah, Melito I think Melito. So. But I mean, it's it's not always a guarantee. I think there were sub workings there. I think after the whole treble nostalgia there, uh, then it became more of a, okay, well, give me a blank check and I'll produce a team, right? And I mean, it's not. Uh, well, I wasn't. I wasn't too thrilled on the Mourinho signing when it came to Roma. Um, I just, I think, for someone like Roma, for what they do with their players in terms of, hey, my, I said last podcast, all the Allisons and all those players, like, hey, you know, uh, they just became legends and Champions League winners, but they used to play for us. Why can't we do that with coaches? Like, why can't we do that with coaches? Why can't? We have up and coming coaches that, you know, because um, the because the Roma media would eat them up and spit them out. Yeah, Roma's but we're, we're not the... we're not we're not like we're not on that level anymore. We're not that you know, we're not going out and buying Cafus and Batistutas and Fabio Capellos. Like we're not that anymore. No, we aren't that anymore. Right? But the so... problem the problem is you got the Roma fans, and I'm talking about. Uh, well, I wouldn't say me included. I'm, I'm obviously yeah, done, okay. but I'm talking about I'm talking about the Roma fans in Rome and the Roman media that think with a team like this, you should expect nothing but great things. That's that's the problem. So if you bring an up and coming coach and you're gonna ha- you're gonna have to roll with the punches, Roma the Roma fans and the Roma media will not tolerate that. So there's well, no way we could be a feeder for. There's no way we can be a feeder for coaches and bring in okay, young and so up-and-coming coaches. When ten years from now, when Pep's in his eighties, we'll call him. Well, <laughs> no, well, Pep right. will never want to. Pep will, Pep will be smart and he'll never want to come to Rome because well, he, and people I mean, understand Rome is a Rome is a pressure cooker. Like uh, people, like people, you can see people age at yeah, Rome. Yeah. You can see people age at Rome. Like uh, like Rudy Garcia lasted how long? And Rudy Garcia aged ten years. I think he was not even in there for two two seasons, and yeah. he aged ten years just being at Roma. I think that well, I think he I think that's what he even says. It says it's one of his worst experiences. So well, and look, here's an example too. We had a young and upcoming coach in Luis Enrique. We had no patience for him, and we just let him walk. And look what he's doing now. Look what he's done in his career. So, so we have no one but to blame but ourselves. 
Yeah. No, you got to it's the, you got to set expectations a little different. That's does, what you have to do. Does Mourinho last three years? No. No. I think, if anything, he'll go into that sweet golden prison. and he'll No, blame... I don't think they're going to fire him. Well, neither I that, think he'll but walk. He'll walk, think... but it'll be, it won't be about... It won't be about... He, I, won't I blame, think... he won't take the blame. I think, depending on what happens to Portugal, you're, we're going to see uh, if they don't make the World Cup... We might see Mourinho jump there. That's where he goes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. But I it's mean, never but... it's never Mourinho's fault, you know. Like you know, I, <laughs> I asked I asked for Mbappe and I didn't get him. Uh, it's you, you know I. Before we move on to the next game, I do want to say this though. I do want to go back to Sandro Tonali, and I just want to say how much I agree with you, Jules. How much he's impressed this season compared to last season. And you know, you, you know what? When I when I see Sandro Tonali, I see. You don't. I see a physical, just a physical guy that can hold it down back there. And you know what? I know we go back to the national team all the time. When we go to when we look at the national team, we really don't have a player there in that midfield that can hold it down like that. And I think if he's introduced into La Nazionale, he would be a very nice piece for this national team because we're, we're we're let's face it we're soft we're we're a really soft team now like we're the only guy that's physical is Giorgio Chiellini and Leonardo Bonucci we need some more we need a more physical presence and I think Sandro Tonali could be an answer yeah he he gets stuck in Barella too gets stuck in Jorginho's yeah. too soft I mean Jorginho he's clean he's refined the way he plays but yeah he's easy to get muscle off the ball Verratti too he's not as uh no he gets a lot of cards for the physicality he brings. You know, Tanel, yeah. he's, he's still young. Give him some time. Give him some uh, years to, to, you know, fill in and whatnot. Oh, and, 100%. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. 100%. 100%. So let's get rid of let's Let's stop talking about this disaster. Let's move on to the next game, and then, which is the final game of the match day. Juve-Napoli 1-1. And uh, Lorenzo Insigne playing in this game. Yeah, so, we're we're in the red too. Yeah, we're in the red too. <laughs> so it it seems to be official that he has signed, um, and uh, he will be coming to Toronto in July once the season with Napoli is done. So he's basically going on a uh, goodbye tour with Napoli. And uh, I mean, what can we say about this game, guys? I mean, what did you see in this game that I didn't? I. Me personally, I saw Juve dropped points here big time. Yeah, this was their t- chance to <laughs> to get three over Napoli and climb up the table more, and they just completely dropped the ball. Allegri's another checkbook manager. Uh, we tweeted something at the Fossi Football Radio today, showing the managers that have spent the most money in uh, in world football over obviously since transfers have been happening. Massimo, Massimiliano Allegri is ranked number three behind Mourinho. And Pep Guardiola at just under a billion dollars spent. So this is another guy with all his success. It seems like it's bought because you look at the talent on the field of Juve. It's, it's not great, but it's not terrible. Okay, and this is against a Napoli B team. Missing Oshiman, missing Koulibaly, missing Anguissa. Um, you have Juan Jesus in your center back. Stanislav Juan Lobonka. Jesus and Rahamani as your center backs. Yeah, like, two. Oh. And you had three guys that were... Not going to play earlier in the <laughs> in the day because of the COVID 
restrictions and all this craziness and then they got called into the game so napoli was just a mess they were they were happy to come out and get that tie yeah but they sh- you know they they showed more control of the game they played with more confidence it seemed like i mean juve did create some chances they played more of a counterattack, clock up the middle mm-hmm. but just the tactics of allegri they are so just crap for a, a top manager the wages he makes it is terrible it is terrible so- it's so, so Juve still for top four? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I They'll beat up I, on the little teams. It's Atalanta's to lose, but I think this is how Juve's going to be. They're not going to lose games, but they're going to tie and, and just scratch out wins. 1-0, 2-1. That's how they're going to go the entire season. But this was a massive chance dropped, and it's all Allegri's fault. Uh, yeah. It was just absolutely just poor. Manuel Locatelli not being utilized properly. Weston McKenney, yes, he missed a big chance, but not being utilized properly. I did in Rabiot, a French international. Like, come on. It's just embarrassing the tactics that Allegri has these guys playing. And yeah. and on top of it, the players he wants to keep, Avaro Morata, look at this performance. Yeah. <laughs> Barcelona could have, got, could have taken him and, and Juve could have got Scamacca maybe or, or uh, Icardi, you know, already and. And this is what they're dealing with, Alvaro Marata. And he was terrible this game. Yeah, he was. He was terrible. I think this, the way this game showed, it, it was it was basically on the shoulders of Federico Chiesa, who was, only re- he was the, really the only creative piece for this Juve team. I mean, I think Federico Chiesa is an amazing player, but this guy should not be the guy that's carrying no, the No, he torch. shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. No, he shouldn't be the guy carrying the torch and be your be your be all and end all for goals. Like it's it. He needs somebody with him. Yeah, he's playing by himself. Absolutely, there's he really nobody. Is. There's nobody. <laughs> there's no creative sp- outlet in this team except for Juan Quadrado. Uh, I can never say his name. Juan Cuadrado. He's the only guy <laughs> yeah. that that is creative in this team. Yeah. There's no one else in this team with a creative bone in their body. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. And Juve, we could say, oh, the players, this and that. It's the manager. It is the manager. You left Nibala on the bench, whether he was fully 100% fit to come on or not. To start, I don't know. But it comes down to the manager. You're telling me Juve, with all the money they have, they can't find one talented guy on the goddamn planet to go field in the midfield? It's ridiculous. It is. Makes you wonder what they're going to do in the Mercato. I'm sure there's going to be pressure now on Allegri to do something. So, And it's like we talked about. They're stuck with him. They signed him to a big contract for a long period of time, so it's not like they can just fire him. Oh, and for me, we already said he's another, I think for me, he's another dinosaur. He's another, if it wasn't for the money, this guy wouldn't have the success that follows him. Yeah, absolutely. Nick, what are your thoughts on this game? If I was a Juve fan, I would be very upset at not only our position, but the, their position, but how they're playing their football. It's it's not really a Juve way. It's it, I'd be so frustrated. But, I mean, you know, they said that, you know, the reason why they were the way they were last year was because of Ronaldo, and it was just the Ronaldo show. Okay, he's gone now, so now what? Now what? Yeah. Now what do you say? It's, I mean... Uh, for someone that's supposed to carry the flag for Syria for Italian soccer, uh, like I, I'd be, I'd be, I mean, we're not, they're not exactly in a relegation battle, but like I'd be, I'd be completely upset and 
frustrated and hold them accountable for this kind of uh, style of play and performance. It, you know, it's, it's they're not even they're not even winning pretty. It's it's they're they're scraping by, and that's not that is not Juve DNA. And I don't I still think they'll be fourth because you know. Uh, Juve not in the Champions League isn't uh, it's unheard of pretty much but um I don't think uh I think it's going to get uh I think they can't they can't go another year like this next year. No, absolutely not they can't. Yeah, they can't. Like put this in a perspective here. Juve in the entire city are tied with Sampdoria for goals scored. Okay? 11th they're tied in 11th for the most goals yeah. in the league. Juventus. Yeah, they just 28 clearly. goals. That's it in 20 games. Bologna is one behind them on 27. Udine has 26. Torino 23. So these are the teams that are below them. That goes to show you how poor offensively they are. Yeah, they're just horrendous. But they're horrendous. fifth somehow. <laughs> Horrendous. Anyways, that, that that sums up match day twenty. So, before we get into match day twenty one, uh, there's some been some rumors. Uh, there's some players flying into Italy, getting their medicals done. Um, so I, I guess we'll start with the with with Christoph Piontek. Christoph Piontek. Uh, we had reported last podcast that it looked like he was going to Genoa. It looks like Fiorentina has hijacked that, so he has actually arrived for Fiorentina to do a medical. Um, before it's official, guys, what do we think about this? Do we think this is, does this mean Dusan Vlahovic is leaving? Or about to, if well, not we know now in the summer. We, we know he's going to stay if they make Champions League. So it's, uh, they're covering their bases, but honestly, I don't like it for Fiorentina. This is a backward signing. I think they could, they could get someone better. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I don't like. I don't like the signing, to be honest. Uh, next one, uh, Ainsley Maitland Niles is having his Roma medical, and it looks like he will be receiving a loan move to Roma uh, with a possible option to buy at the end of the season. So this is a midfield move, shores up the midfield a little bit, which is. The massive, massive problem at Roma. Um, personally, I can tell you as a Roma fan, I don't think this really makes a difference. Uh, here's a player who was very, who's projected to have high hopes, um, hasn't really performed at Arsenal, uh, hasn't really featured much for Arsenal this year. Uh, so here's a guy that's trying to look to revive his career. I think Jose Mourinho will rely on him heavy who comes out of the midfield Vertu. my hope it better be Vertu. or make it yeah it's all, it's one or the other it's one or the other hopefully hopefully Newcastle's serious about uh about taking Jordan Vertu. please take him off our hands please pay us to take him uh another uh quick update there um I we had reported that uh Roma were in the process of buying out Davide Santon, but it looks like Davide Santon and Federico Fazio have refused to terminate their contracts with Roma. 
and will stay on the payroll for the rest of the season. They I love chosen... it. Milk them. Milk those contracts. <laughs> Milk the contracts. <laughs> they have chosen to remain in a golden prison where they will not play a minute this season, but they will get paid a nice fee to sit on the sit in the stands, I guess. And I was, on Roma. I was joking with Christian before the podcast, Nick. I was saying, you know, as Christian, his biggest rivalries internationally are the Portuguese and the English. And Roma just keeps signing Englishmen and Portuguese players. So I'm yeah, like, when are you going to start? When are you going to change allegiances to uh, <laughs> <laughs> to another team here? Well, Listen, it's this signing these players is only temporary. Roma's forever. I can't turn my back on them now, Jules. They're they're in need. They're in need. All right, let's talk about match day 21. So match day 21, we're coming back on Sunday, January the 9th. Um, some big games this week coming up, um, and let's. It all starts off with uh, Venezia hosting AC Milan. Guys, how do we see this game? I'm going AC Milan. I know it. They're playing in uh, Venice, right? They are playing in Venice. Yes. Yeah, Milan's Milan's doing a good job. I think uh, if they can dispatch uh, Roma with a C team, I think they'll be okay with Venezia. Jules, yeah, I think. Uh... Milan wins this fixture again. Last time they played, Milan won 2-0. I think it's uh, another easy one. Yep, I agree. AC Milan win this game. Next up, Empoli hosting Sassuolo. The Derby here. The Carlo Castellani. Yep. I got I got draw in this game. I This is where Sassuolo always drops points, and I just don't think Empoli's got what it takes to win this game. I like Empoli. I think they're my underdog right. of the season. Well, are you going to get a jer- Empoli jersey or what? I don't know if they can. Uh, we got to see so much about them. I I don't know. I gotta get. I gotta get. Uh, I gotta get uh, Empoli Cottis on the back number ten. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it's just nice to see because you know they're 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 punching above their weight from where they came from. So you know, it's nice to hear. It's nice to see one of those Serie B teams you know come into Syria the first year with a bang. You know, it's what, sure. it's what it's what it's what the it's what the it's it's what it should be about. So are you saying Empoli's going to win this game? They're just going to pull it off. Okay. Jules? I think, yeah, it's pretty even. I'm just going to give the slight edge to uh, Sassuolo. And it's a very slight edge. But regardless, these two are very even otherwise. So all three different. Everybody's yeah. got a – Nick's got the Empoli win. I got the draw, and you got the Sassuolo edge. Yeah. So. I mean, last right. time they played Empoli 1-2-1, one, one, so. Yeah, well, see what happens. Next up, Torino hosting Fiorentina. Both teams didn't play on Thursday, so they're rested. Yep. Now they're both rested. This could be a this could be a cracker. Yeah, Fiorentina won two one in the previous fixture. Uh, for me, I'm gonna lean. Again, it's this is a very even game, just like Empoli Sassuolo. But they're playing in Torino, the Olimpico Grande Torino. I think though, Fiorentina, Fiorentina are gonna maybe scratch one out here. I think, mm-hmm. but. We'll see who who the starting lineups are, who's available due to the, all the COVID cases and all that and stuff. All the COVID cases, yeah. I'm I'm okay with the draw here. You're okay with the draw. I think Fiorentina's going to win this game. They're going to win two to one. Fiorentina smells you better. Blood, hey, you better pick that for Sunday. Eh? I already did. <laughs> oh, you already, already did. did. You already picked it. Okay. I already did. Not everybody's like Jules that waits like 15 minutes before kickoff. Yeah. So you got to yeah. do it. First place right now, baby. <laughs> yeah. Okay. For now. For now. For now. I got Fiorentina two to one. How many games did you get right? None. 
<laughs> you got one, right? You got yeah, I, I I got the I got the victor right. I yeah. didn't get the scoreline right. One out of six. That's okay. It's yeah. Okay. So, Giuliano <laughs> saying Torino. Uh, Ju- Nick's got a draw here. You got a draw, right, Nick? I got a draw. And I got Fiorentina to win. So again, all three different. I said Fiorentina. Next... Oh, you said Fiorentina. Sorry. Yeah. So two for Fiorentina, one for a draw. Next up, Cagliari Bologna. I think Cagliari starts off the year right. And I think Cagliari is going to get another point here. And Cagliari is going to tie Bologna. So that's what I have here. Wow. I. That's what I have. What about you guys? What do you think, I'm probably, I'm probably going to go with the Bologna win. Okay. Well, they, they didn't play, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, back-to-back wins for Cagliari is going to be a bit too much. I'm going to lean more towards Bologna in this, on this one. All right. Okay. All right. Up next, Udinese hosting Atalanta. Yeah, another two teams that didn't play. Um, what do you think, Christian? In Udinese, Stadio Frulli. Yeah, I just don't think Udinese have anything here. I think Atalanta are going to win this game. I uh, I also have to agree. Giuliano. You think Atalanta, guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll lean towards Atalanta. I don't think Udinese, they have one of the worst strike forces in the in the division. So Exactly. I don't think they can hold out too long against Atalanta's attack. Nope. Next up, take it take it for us, Jules. Napoli hosting Sampdoria. Nick, Sam Sampdoria, you always call them as a bogey team. Are they gonna pull off another Only against, against Roma. The top team? <laughs> Only against Roma. Uh, well, they did, they I think did, they did a tenter last year. Yeah, they did. Uh where are they play it again? They're in Napoli. Uh it's gonna be rough. Uh I think Napoli's got this. It's going to be raining if that means anything in Napoli that day. Yeah. I got a tie here. I think Sampdoria is, this is where they they get something. They just, it's I, I, I they are a bogey team for these big teams. So I think they're going to get a draw against Napoli. I would say, I don't want to give too much now because we're in a little pool here. And I'm going to give you guys some insight. But <laughs> what do you know? Omar Coley, who's at the African Cup of Nations, is Sampdoria's best center back. He won't be in this game obviously so Sampdoria that's why their attack I mean their defense story got uh, taken apart in the game against Cagliari the organization mm-hmm. wasn't there and then they lost Yoshida I think to injury in that game too yeah. so if Yoshida and Coley are both missing I think Napoli are going to just just destroy Sampdoria even though they're missing I think Oziman may be back uh, but Kulabali and Guisa doesn't matter if they're not there they should still beat Sampdoria I yeah. think easily okay Next up, Roma Juve <laughs> at the Stadio Olimpico. Two teams, disastrous. Let's delve into this game a little bit, tactical no. wise. Okay. Do Roma even stand a chance at getting a point here with the way they set up? How do you think they should even approach this game, guys? I have no clue. None. None. It's well, gonna be the t- if if it's, it's going to be three five two. There's no Karsdorp. There's no Mancini because of the red cards. So you're gonna have to play. Who are you gonna play on the right side now? You gotta play. Uh, what's his name? Maresh. Uh, Carlos Perez. That's who you gotta play now. And you gotta bring Kambula in, who's been quite off this season. Um, I don't think Roma stand a chance in this game. I think Roma are gonna get humiliated at home. Yeah. Uh, Juve are gonna be really pissed off. I don't think. 
I don't think the scoreline is going to show that Juve hammer Roma, but the stats will. And because Juve struggle for goals, like Jules said, it's going to be like a one nothing, two nothing, two one game. It's going to be a grind. It's not going to be a blowout, but yeah. When you're going to look at the stats on paper, Juve is going to have the ball all the time. They're going to control the game. Mourinho is going to pray to God for uh, for a counterattack. It's not going to come. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be the same old crap. Roma are going to lose this game. Yeah, I agree. Jules. Sadly. Wow, no faith. No faith, None. guys. Zero. Absolute You got to hit rock bottom before you go to the top. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. that's the thing, though. That's the thing, Jules. I mean, your your right back is gone, and the the second guy in command is is Carlos Perez, who now you have to play an attacking style of football because. He's but not you guys, a you guys don't think he even changes the formation to adapt? No. No. He's gonna stick to the three five two. Three five two. If Maitland Niles, whatever the hell his name is, is done his medical, he's gonna slot him in right away. Yeah. Welcome to Rome. Welcome to Rome. Go play Juve. <laughs> yeah, I think for me this game is going to be a classic of the old city ad days. You're going to have two teams that don't want the ball. They're going to be looking for the deep penetrating passes, um, looking for those spaces. Quadrado will find Chiesa. So Eldor, I hope. Yeah, yeah, most likely. But I hope Eldor. I hope Eldor gets a start, <laughs> and I hope he because uh, I think he's fast. Eldor is blistering fast, and he can. Uh, yeah. Cause some trouble. I mean, if Frugani and Delict are the the two center back parents again, we're shown they can be gone after. So, um, you're gonna take Zaniolo out for Aldor? I'd take Zaniolo out. What does Zaniolo do? I don't yeah. think. Honestly, I don't think Mourinho will. If Mourinho doesn't take Zaniolo out, it goes to show you how out to lunch he is. That should show all the Roma fans how out to lunch he is. Yeah. On uh, on yeah. tact on, on yeah, tactics. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he lines up the team, but I think uh, both these checkbook manager dinosaurs, uh, I think Allegri has the edge on it. <laughs> yeah, the edge. Yeah. So everybody, we're all saying Juve. Yeah. Okay. Watch them, watch, watch them let us down again. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be bittersweet. So, uh, next up, we got the Ligurian Derby, Genoa hosting Spezia in what is a relegation battle. This uh, game's this game's massive. Massive. Yeah. Massive. Is, is an understatement. This is probably going to be one of the most exciting games, I think, of the match day. Um, Spezia are a mess, and they need something here to keep their city out hopes alive and stay out of that relegation zone. Genoa, if they have any chance of surviving city, yeah, they need to they need to get three points here. A point is not good enough for either team, in my opinion. Uh, so, guys, let's hear your predictions for this game. Go, Nico. Ah, let's see. I think uh, Genoa does it. Mm-hmm. I think Genoa does it. I think uh, this is uh, their time is now, and it's more than just three points on the line. Jules, yeah, you you look at the teams, how similar they are. There, Genoa, thirty eight goals conceded. Spezia, forty one. So very similar defensively. Both twenty goals each in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, so similar offensively but it's crazy that Spezia have won four games compared to Genoa only won one game um and two of those ones came against Napoli and Torino for for Spezia uh strange enough so Spezia is a relegation team uh this this year 
my only downside is Shevchenko's teams, they do not get shots on net. They can't go week in, week out, one shot on net, scoring goals. Uh, it, it, it's impossible. So I'm hoping against a team he can finally open up against. I want to see if Shevchenko, the team attack. I don't want them to sit back anymore. Um, and I think Shevchenko will do that. This is his time to express himself as a manager and show what he's made of. Because if you can't beat Tiago Motu, who's also a, an up-and-newcomer in, manage, uh, in management, uh, Sheva's days are numbered. Uh, so he needs a win here, and I think that's enough to push uh, Genoa over the line in this game. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to say Genoa win here. I think it, it's written in the stars for them. So we're all saying Genoa to win this game. Next up, Verona hosting Salernitana. Salernitana back. Uh, after a very long break. And Hellas uh, Verona back in the win column. How do we see this game, guys? For, first uh, of all, do you think Colatuano... Sorry, first, do you guys even think Colatuano has been doing anything on the training pitch with these guys? Or they're all on vacation? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're knows? all at the beach. <laughs> who knows? Such a mess. Such a mess. And new ownership, though. They have new ownership, yeah. so... That's, I don't know if that will spur them, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have no faith in the Salernitana team. No faith at all. They look, There's a huge gulf in class between Salernitana and Serie A. I mean, you can see it. It's uh, This is a team that it looks like they were very fortunate of winning the the promotion playoff. I mean, anything can happen in a playoff. So... I think Salernitana was very fortunate to to move up. I I had a lot of faith in them at the start, but they just the golf is just astronomical. I think, and uh, I don't even think this. I, I I mean, I think they may if it's a victory for them if they keep it close, uh, but they're not going to win this game. I think Hellsvorn are going to win two off. They're going to start the new year off with two straight wins. I agree a hundred percent. Salernitana are going to get spanked here. No, oh, yeah. They're going to get spanked. I think. Uh, they're going to be missing a few players too because of African Cup of Nations. They got quite a few Afri- African players in the squad, so right. in in key positions. So Salernitana, yeah. I don't think they have a hope of, of getting anything in this game. Yeah. So we're all saying Verona in this game, and finally, Simone Inzaghi is hosting Lazio. Ooh. Yes, and the last time they played, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Lazio won. I believe so. They yes, won the that was that controversial. Oh, you didn't put the ball out. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> it's going to be an interesting match. We know what we know what Lazio bring. We know their weaknesses. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he lines up the team this time because last in that last match, Toma Basic started, Lukas Leva, Milinkovic Savic obviously was the star player in that game. Uh, same front three of Chiro, Pedro, and Felipe Anderson. And uh, the defense was the same. hasn't changed. Uh, instead of Echerbi, there was Patrick in the back with Pepperin and that. So it's going to be interesting to see how Sadi, if he, if he goes back to that midfield trio as opposed to the attacking one that he chose against Napoli. Because if he goes with that attacking trio, Inter's just going to walk right through them and score five goals. If Empoli could score three, Inter's going to go score a double. So uh, that's the biggest thing. Sadi, the way he lines up his team is going to be interesting. Because we know Inzaghi's not going to change much. No. Inter's, Inter's stuck relatively with the same game plan week in, week out. Same system, nothing changes uh, because they have the highest quality team and, and it's up to the other teams to match that quality. So 
they're able to do that. And I, I think Lazio can cause troubles uh, with Ciro Immobile on the counter and Felipe Anderson. He's always tricky, right, if, if uh, he can isolate Pedisic on the left side of the field. But I will give Inter the edge here uh, because they got that rest. Lazio didn't. They played a hard-fought game. And I think Inter, uh, is they're ready to go. They're fired to start the, the 2022 with a win. Yeah, and uh, I agree with you. And here's a nice stat for you to make it feel better. Inter have won 23 of their last 25 home matches. There you go. It's a win. It's a win. Yeah, at the it's probably a win. Yeah, it's an Inter win. So that sums up match day 21, guys. Hmm. Just like that, match day 21 will be in and the And they're books. all going to be played, correct? <laughs> yeah, they're all going to be played. As long as uh, they have 13 player, able-bodied players, player. they're going to play. Hmm. And that sums up match day 21 that sums up today's podcast all right all right so thank you so much to all our listeners for for joining us for another episode of tifosi football radio nick once again thank you so much for joining us today glad to be on here uh, i'm sure we're going to be doing this again very 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 soon so we will be back after match day 21 uh enjoy the games yeah, ho- hopefully, hopefully between Copa Italia fixtures as well, which begin Wednesday, January twelfth, and the Super Copa is on that day as well. Holy Enter smokes! UA. It's just it's nonstop, everybody. It's nonstop. nonstop. So we'll be we'll definitely be back right after Match Day twenty one to talk about Copa Italia to talk about Match Day twenty two because it's just never ending this year this season. It's just rapid fire. It feels like, but uh, until next time, everybody, stay safe and ciao ragazzi. Ciao everybody. Mourinho!